Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Monette, the host of the Mojo Blog Talk Radio. My co-host, my husband and friend, is at work on this evening, and he couldn't be here tonight, but I'm sure his heart is here with us. So on behalf of John... I would like to thank all of you callers for calling in tonight. You could very well be doing something else. And we want want you to know that we so thank you for supporting us, and we see you out there. So continue to call, continue to support us, and we'll continue to do what we can to encourage you. So let me express that John and I, we believe in marriage because marriage really does matter. We believe that our audience also believes in marriage, too. So allow me to disclose that this is an open dialogue forum that will allow you to ask questions or express your thoughts about the subject matter. Tonight, our topic is owning it and how to become a homeowner. Tonight, I am so excited about this beautiful woman of God, my long-life friend, Dear to my heart, I don't know what else to say, my sister, my godly sister, my prayer warrior, um, my friend, my confidant, Yonori Evangelist, Yonori Orange. Are you out there? Yes, I am, Miss Monette. Hi, Yonori. Thank you for joining us on tonight. So for those Hi, of you who don't... You? <laughs> So for those of you who don't know, Yonori is the broker, owner, and founder of Prosperity Realty. And later on, she's going to be talking about um, how to become a homeowner, the processes you need to take, and put it in a godly perspective so that we can understand the spiritual basis behind prosperity. And I'm so looking forward to hearing her on tonight. As you know, even though we might be homeowners, or we may not be, there's always room for growth and to acquire more knowledge. But on the Mojo Blog Talk radio show, we have discussed so many topics. And um, on last week, we talked about becoming that total woman. And we had the privilege of the beautiful Michelle McKelpin to be um, uh, our host on that show, and she did a great job on just encouraging us um, of how to be that total woman, that total package, and to be everything that we can be in Christ. Also, we talked about letting go of the past, the benefits of marriage, baby mama drama, blended family, loving when it hurts, sex saved and sanctified. And a few uh, weeks ago, I just want to reiterate the fact that we had um, Crystal Rice, my sister, sing us a beautiful solo on the the show, and minister uh, and prayer warrior Kasha Ross, a beautiful woman of faith, and then Tammy Keith, um, who is uh, my friend, and um, she also sings on the praise and worship team with me, um, talk on that show, as well as Minister Sheila Johnson of the Lunchtime Prayer Corner. And um, they did such a good job that that was one of our highest rating shows that we've had since Baby Mama Drama. So shouts out to all of you guys tonight. Thank you again for your love and your support, and we hope in the future we'll, we're going to be able to have you on the show Again, Now, before we hit the topic uh, for tonight, uh, let me tell you a little bit about the show. The platform of our show is to simply promote marriage and demote uh, divorce. 
Um, as I mentioned, John and I are not licensed counselors or experts, but we feel that we are led by God to help individuals understand the principles of marriage and to help restore marriages as a whole. So we encourage you to continue to call in and help us as we help others. We are under the umbrella of Granny's Place Ministry, and um, where the lovely Beverly Beasley is our founder. Uh, LaShondra Lewis is the host of My Sister, My Friend, and her husband is the host of Free on the Inside. I think there's a prayer show out there and also another show for young adults. So you guys can tune in. And for more information, you can log on to grannysplaceministries.com or you can go to um, www.blogtalkradio.com backslash grannysplaceministries, and you can also find us there. For the Mojo Blog Talk Radio Show, you can look us up on Facebook at any time and uh, see what we have posted out there and say that you like us. So as we get closer to the topic, um, we want our listeners to be aware of the upcoming shows that we're going to have in uh, 2015, and some of the topics are but are not limited to uh, in-law issues, money and marriage, how to keep the flame burning. That should be a good show. Patience, not punishment. A lot of times we as women or men, we go through an ordeal with our mate, and instead of forgiving and moving forward, we decide to hang on in that thing and then we start to punish them instead of having the patience of making it work and allowing God uh, for uh, relying on God for total healing. So patience, not punishment. Dealing with children from another mother or father. What's mine is mine and dealing with the dominant. We know in this day and age, you know, the man should be the dominant, but there are a lot of women out there who want to tell their men what to do. So we're going to talk about that. The things I love about my mate, we're going to keep that positive. Maybe we'll talk about that around Valentine's Day and just make it a bushy type of conversation type of show. So tune in for more shows coming up in 2015. John and I are very, very excited about this ministry and where God is taking us. So let's dive into tonight's topic, home ownership, owning it. And once again, I want to introduce to you the um, knowledgeable, anointed evangelist, Yanori Orange, who is the broker owner of Prosperity Realty, LLC. And her location is in Las Vegas. So all the way from Las Vegas. Hi, Yanori. How are you? Hey, Miss Monette. I'm doing great. Thank you. <laughs> she called and me I'm Ms. excited Monette. about what God, well, that's being polite because, you know, I respect you and the anointing that's on your life. Oh, you're so sweet. I love you so much. You know I do. Um, Yanori, <laughs> with that being said, you know, I know you on a personal and professional level. But for our audience who may not know you, would you tell them a little bit about who Yanori Orange really is and about Prosperity Realty? And how it was founded. Okay. Um, the my, my, my name is Yanori Orange, and I'm a single parent. I have three children, and I have a, a ministry called Empowered to Prosper Enterprises that God gave me back in uh, 2004. And basically, it's called Enterprises because there's a lot of things that God wants me to do under that umbrella that's going to entail finances, debt cancellation, helping people to clean up their credit, and as he taught me, then I began to teach others, and then it evolved. During the time that he was teaching me about finances and debt cancellation, he, I had to go through a process of purchasing properties. I had to go through a process of, of um, understanding the 
finance world. And um, at this date, I presently hold seven or eight properties, and my children own uh, one or two. I don't remember offhand. And in 2006, when I left Dallas, he told me to get into real estate because I need you to own your own brokerage. And I said, wow, that's pretty aggressive. So that's where that started at. So it's two different ministries. Prosperity Realty is the company I work for, and Empowered to Prosper is the ministry. Okay. uh, Tell us a little bit about Prosperity Realty and, and what you do as a broker owner. As a broker owner, what I do is I have clients that uh, hire me to manage their properties. It could be banks. It could be private owners that own homes that want me to list it for them or sell it for them. And what I do is walk them through the process, give them a a complete analysis of what they're going to make from selling it or what it's going to require to purchase it. And the Mm -hmm. brokerage manages other agents. So I have several agents that work under the brokerage, but the main vehicle is to reach out and empower others. Okay. That sounds good. So you mentioned owning several properties and that your children have been blessed to either uh, own or in the process of owning uh, their own properties. When you think of the word own it or own, what comes to mind? When I think of the word own, what comes to mind is the scriptures where God instructed us to go out and possess the land. If you go into Deuteronomy 8 and 1, he told us mm-hmm. in that, he, he said, all the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers. We overlook mm-hmm. that because oftentimes we think that credit and money is an issue, so we just decide to not do it because we're afraid. And God is saying, mm-hmm. if I told you to do it, just step out and do it. So my challenge is to p- teach people, walk them through hand by hand on how to get to that finished process. All right. So if, if I was someone who had never owned a home before and wanted to know about that process, what would that process look like? Basically, in other words, what would be the first step that I would need to take to become a homeowner? The first step that you would need to take is at least to establish a budget. Okay. The reason why you want to establish a budget is because on, you need to on, know. Nori. Hold on, Nori. Wait, wait, wait. Before you go any further, I want all of the callers out there who are listening If you're interested in purchasing a home or becoming an investor, you know, this information does not cost you. This is free knowledge that God has enabled you to listen to on tonight. So I suggest you take a pen and a piece of paper or go to your iPhone and click on notes so you can take uh, notes of what this lady is saying. This is someone who is educated and has a lot of knowledge. So I'm going to unction you give you a few minutes to get a pen and a piece of paper so you can take notes. Okay, what was that first step, Denori? The first step is to have a budget. Is to have a budget. And the reason for the budget is because you need to figure out how much you're bringing in each month and how much is expendable. Because even though you want to buy, you have to be realistic about the expenses that come and associated with purchasing a home. Such expenses include maintenance in additional to the mortgage payment that you're paying to the bank who lent you the money. Now, Other, now wait a minute. You just Before you move forward, you talked about 
um, additional things that we don't think about. Um, just expand right. a little bit more on maintenance because maybe somebody didn't get that. What do you mean when you're okay. talking about maintenance? Certain examples for maintenance include yard work. If you buy a house with a pool, you have to have a pool person or you have to buy the pool equipment to get to keep it clean. Um, if you have a yard, it needs to be cut and maintained. If you have a yard, you have trees. They need to be trimmed regularly, maybe quarterly. There are other expenses such as if you're not in a um, in a gated if you're in a gated community, you'll have association dues because if you live in a neighborhood that has requirements, you have to include that in your process. You have to include incidentals, which would could occur, and so you have to budget at least one third of your income should be for okay. your rent. That's that's your target. One third of your income should be appropriated towards rent because you need two thirds to be expendable. Okay, so you say you mean mortgage, right? Not towards rent. Right, towards your yeah, towards your uh, paying because people are right now. We're we're talking to people who are renting right now. So if they're renting right now, Miss Monette, they need this okay. process so that they can understand how to move into home ownership. So they have okay. to get on a budget at this point. Make sense? Okay. And okay. and and if they get in the budget. Okay. And then the second thing is is when you get that budget, this is a tough spot for a lot of people. You have to include 10% for your tithes. You want to be a tither. You want to give God what's his. The reason being is oftentimes we get blessed, but we can't keep it because we didn't get the covering from the Father. We don't have his protection. Because we're not in relationship or covenant with him, and even people that are not saved, Monet ties, they understand that principle. It's a principle. Make sense? The principle of of giving and uh, absolutely, you know, blessing the body of Christ. Okay, absolutely. So, sowing, sowing, and sowing. reaping. Because okay. if you're telling God, "Hey, I want this house, and I want to be able to live in a beautiful house that you promised me." then there's got to be a covenant relationship with that. So your money has to be tied to the owner, which is the Lord. Then that way, when you get ready to move into your home ownership, you have favor. Okay. so That's part of your budget. budget. Okay, we talked about the budget. Are we still on the budget right now, making sure that you take out um, what is due to God? Right, and 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 then then you have to continue to break down every item that you use regularly on your monthly expenses. So if you have light, gas, telephone, all that needs to be on a list. And every and you should have a chart from January through the end of the year of how much you're spending. And then what's going to happen is you're going to be able to see where you're misappropriating funds and you're spending too much in an area, and you'll be able to see where you can pull back and you can start saving. The reason why people aren't in a position financially where they're able to save or they're able to buy is because they're not on a budget. And if you put $100 in my pocket and I go to the store, I'm just going to spend it because I have no accountability for it. Okay. But if I have a budget, my mindset is to hit the things that are on that paper or in that book. And you can even budget, Miss Monette, by downloading a software in your phone, mm-hmm. a budget planner. And it'll allow wow. you to, yeah, it'll allow you to put everything you spend in that phone so you'll know and you can keep track. Wonderful. Now, so, here's the other but, thing I want to say about buying a home. It's a sacrifice. And so you have to give up some things. 
and part of the budget is recognizing that Macy's and the mall can't be included. Okay. So there's no extra shopping. There's no, you know, miscellaneous stuff. Okay. So limits are spending or shopping. Yes. 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 Okay. And this is all under the budget. Anything else under yes. the budget? Under the budget, make sure that you include insurance because a lot of people forget that. So explain what insurance is all about when you get your home. Explain that. I mean, people think of insurance as, you know, just some extra protection they're paying for monthly. But explain it in terms of the mortgage and how you can also include that in your mortgage uh, on a monthly basis. The way that it works is that the lenders don't want to lend you money. Say, for example, they're going to lend you $100,000. They want to make sure that if they're lending you money for you to purchase a house, that they have some protection. So they Mm -hmm. automatically require you to get insurance. And in that insurance, if you have a fire, if you have hazards, especially in Texas where there's a lot of storms and a lot of different uh, variety of, of tornadoes and different things, they want to make sure that if anything happens to that property, they'll get their money back. That's the importance okay. of insurance in that capacity. Okay. So basically what you're saying is when you get that quote of how much your mortgage is going to be, you also need to make sure that it includes what we call PITI. Well, they will include it. They won't give them a quote without it because no okay. lender is going to lend on a house without having insurance in that. So if they're going to be out there looking, even on websites right now, you can go on any website that talks about calculations, and mm-hmm. they can pop in a sale price, and that website will show them what the interest and the insurance is going to be estimated at as well. Okay. That's and how embedded it is. Out on, yeah, it's, something, it's called mortgage calculator. Yeah, it's and mortgage calculator. It yes, exactly. You can find it online, Google it, and it'll give you an estimate of what you're going to pay monthly, giving the value, given the value of your home, and also so the interest rate. The interest, oh, that's right. So if you get a house that's 150 thousand, it's going to uh, calculate the principal, interest, taxes, and insurance. Right, and the importance. Uh, let's let's go ahead. No, I'm done. Go ahead. The importance of the uh, interest is is tied to credit because a lot of people don't understand why is my credit so important, what does it matter, especially if I have the money, you know. So it's tied to the credit. The The interest rate is tied to your credit. The higher your credit score, the lower your rate of interest is, the less you're required to be charged to borrow. Okay. That was a good point. So we talked about insurance under budget. Is there anything else that we need to be thinking about when we're budgeting for a home? Um, you, you definitely want to be thinking about um, you always want to have three months. Oh, no, that's after. That's after. That's after. Go ahead. No, that's good. All the expenses that they use regularly every month and then the insurance, um, recreational, movies, that should be a budget for that because people like to go out. People like to spend money on entertainment. That should be part of your budget. Okay. And, right. and what some people do is they put it in envelopes. When they get paid, they appropriate their funds. So when that envelope is finished, they're done. 
Okay. All right. Um, is there anything else under budgeting? That's pretty much it for right now. Okay. Well, what I can think of off the top of my head, and, and this may not be under budgeting, you can, you know, say yay or nay to this. I know that one, when I got my home, you know, I wanted to decorate and I wanted to have all the fine furnishings and everything in my home when I moved in. But what I realized is that most of the time when you purchase a home, unless you're balling like that, you don't have a lot of resources to um, uh, go out and buy new furniture. Um, okay. Isn't it clear or isn't it understandable that before you go out and, and, and purchase your home, it's not wise to go and purchase furniture or purchase a new car or anything to that nature? Can you talk a, a little bit about that? Yes, and the reason why it's not wise is because when they when that lender pulls your credit and they see your scores, they're offering you a rate based on that score. So what happens, and based on what you owe. So what happens is 30 days later, I've had some people that go out and buy new cars or they go out and buy new furniture, and just like you said, and what happens is they pull their credit the day before it closes. Everything is going well, and they pull the credit the day before it closes. They found out that they charged at Sears and JCPenney, and it took and it took a toll on their on how they pre-approved them, so they mm-hmm. couldn't get the house at the last minute. They couldn't get the house. So this is what I tell people. I tell them all the time: it is important for you to not do anything for the first six months when you move into a home. Six months. The reason being. It's because you have a new mortgage, and you want to make sure that you can pay the mortgage. Make sense? So the money that you will be spending, yeah, so the money that you will be spending on furniture, just put it aside. And then what happens is after the six months, and you know you feel comfortable with that, because there's going to be things that occur when you buy the house. You're going to have to pay deposits for light, for gas, for telephone, for all the appliances, you have to pay deposits, and a lot of people don't remember that. And so they move in really tight. Then they fall behind on the mortgage because they've decorated their home. And then three months later, they lose their home. Okay. So God wants us to be taught how to be disciplined with the budget first. And if you're already going into it with a budget mind, then you're going to continue to save for six months. Make sure you can meet that mortgage. Make sure that you got a little bit of room to be comfortable. Then you start to shop, decorate when you know first fact that you have it under control. Okay. So when we talk about down payment, um, could you expand about the down payment and what a new buyer is expected um, to have going in uh, in the uh, through the transaction of purchasing a home? Absolutely. When a lender, when you are requesting for a loan or a mortgage, you're basically asking someone to trust you to pay them back if they advance the funds. So what the lender is saying is, I don't have a problem paying, but I need to know that you can meet me at some place. And right now mm-hmm. is an excellent opportunity because there's programs all over the country that are willing to accept 3% down 3% savings, that means that I'm willing to invest my money in this home process. And so whatever your price of the home is that you want, you need to have at least 3% saved up to contribute 
to the, the lender who's going to lend you the money. It ranges from 3 to percent. Now, over here in Vegas, Monet, they have um, a home buyer program. They've got 4% down where they'll give you assistance. So it's not always that you have to have the money. You, you can always qualify through city programs also for assistance. The critical important thing is to establish your credit, to establish okay. your credit. We're going to talk about credit a, a little while later, but while you're talking about uh, the down payment and what have you, um, talk about your, because I know when I purchased my home, they wanted bank account statements, and my bank account statement or statements could not have a negative uh, withdrawal or overdraft. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, once again, if you're going to a lender and asking him for money, he needs to see your track record. He needs to see if you can okay. even manage money. And there's a lot of people that don't do well with checking accounts. So this is what I tell them. When you get your checking account, don't get the debit card with it. Because if you get the debit card with it, you're going to look at the amount when you go to the grocery store and you're going to think you have it. Then when you swipe the card, it's a negative. That hits your account. That shows that you don't have good money management. So for people who struggle with, with the bank accounts, if you get rid of the, the um, if you get rid of the debit card and you only use checks, then they can have a better paper trail of how you balance your money because you're forced to keep a manual checkbook. Make sense? Now, when you've gotten to the place where you feel comfortable, if you're going to swipe your card, then you need to know exactly what your balance is online before you swipe your card and make sure that you have money in there because if they see a lot of negatives, Monette they're not going to trust you to be able to pay your mortgage. As That's matter right. Fact, they've gotten even, matter, matter of fact, they've gotten even more aggressive. Now they'll, they'll discount your uh, interest rate if you're willing to have them deducted out of your account automatically. If that helps, then, that, then that's better for you. But for the process of getting in, you have to show that you can be trusted with money. Okay, I know when Period. I bought my house, it was, it was about three months on the bank account, maybe three or six months, maybe three months, that they didn't want to see any negatives. And some pointers that I'd like to, to give you all is that what I did was I set up multiple accounts. So I had one account that, hey, if it went into the negative, it went into the negative, and that was all good. But I had another account that I had money going in that I made transactions out of, and I strategically – and, and, you know, made sure that that account was always in the positive and that it had no negative. So when it was time to, you know, make that purchase, I could pull from that account. And um, and, and that kind of helped me in the process. Um, so we talked about budgeting. Is there anything else in the process that a new homeowner would um, need to know in terms of the, the very first step? If, if I was sitting... Um, Living with my mom, and I woke up one morning and I said, you know, I want to buy the house. I have the money. I have the credit. Uh, I'm ready to go. What would I do? Where would I go? Who would I call in order to start that process? Well, most people would call the lender that they use who they bank with. If their credit is good, they can pretty much walk into any establishment, meaning Bank of America, Wells Fargo, or any um 
publicized mortgage company that they feel comfortable with, or even if they contact a realtor. Say, for example, they contact a realtor. A lot of times realtors have relationships with lenders that they feel comfortable with and that they know uh-huh. they can make it happen and take care of the, um, of the uh, buyer. And i tell you why. Purchasing a home is a step of faith. And you want mm-hmm. somebody that cares about you and that cares about your welfare and is going to walk you through mm-hmm. your process and not make you feel bad or make you feel ashamed because you don't know basic terms. So you and, and pretty much – go ahead. I said I'm and, so you can pretty much – you want somebody that's feely touchy. Okay. Okay. And I'm glad you said that because it is like pulling, putting your life out there in front of an individual to see. They're going to see your strengths. They're going to see your weaknesses. And you don't want to deal with a real estate uh, broker or agent who's critical, who's hardcore, because at the end of the day, we all have issues surrounding finances and, 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 and or we've had issues at some point uh, concerning uh, slow payments, uh, um, you know, overdrafts or whatever. So you can't let individuals who are helping you beat you over the head about something that they're not willing to help you fix. And so um, all things are fix, uh, fixable in due time. Um, so basically if I woke up and I just wanted to get started, I would find me a realtor. Or well, you would, okay, you would get the lender first. Okay, you would get the lender first. You have to get the lender. Okay, you have to get the lender. But if you don't know of a lender, a real estate agent could help you and lead you in the right direction of getting a lender. Is that correct? Exactly, exactly. And the reason is is because you want to make sure that your personality type jives with that lender, not not so much with the lender but with the realtor because everyone has different strengths, like you said. And you want, and when it's your first home, and especially if you're single or you're by yourself and you don't have anybody else to consult with, you want to make sure that that person cares about you. You just do. Okay. Okay. So I'm a home buyer, and I don't know much about demographics and, and values and purchase, purchasing a home that's going to uh, appreciate versus depreciate. Um, what would I need to look for when I when I decide to go searching for my home? In terms well, of the house itself, I think the first thing that you want to look at, if you're a, if you're a mother or you're a parent, you would want to look at demographics of the school. Finding a place where your kids can go to school that's going to be excellent and give them a good education—that's the number one. Mm-hmm. Because that's if you if you have children. If you don't have children, then you want to look in the area that you desire to live and that you feel comfortable that's close to you with work proximity-wise because it's the job that's going to pay for it, so you want to be close enough so it's not frustrating to get back and forth, okay? You want to check Mm -hmm. for the crime. And nowadays with the computer, you can check for a crime. You can check the city stats on any city online, easy. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of us, us, we, we shop based on our friends. You know, when we moved, we moved to DeSoto because we liked the area and we stayed there because it was a very nice community and still is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's good to know. Um, but if I'm going in and I'm looking for a home and say my, my girlfriend has a home that's a big house, I mean, eight-bedroom, and it costs her about four hundred, five hundred thousand, and, you know, this is my first home, but I only make about you know, fifty thousand a year. My husband only makes about thirty, but I want that four hundred thousand dollar home. Can you talk about the importance of purchasing what you can afford? 
the reason, yes, and not even what you can afford, but trying to get it for as little as possible. Because the okay. one major okay. reason for getting a home is because you want it to be a financial benefit, a financial vehicle for you for the rest of your life. So if you go into a house buying it because of what others are doing, then you've missed the mark. The reason that you want to purchase a home is because you want it to be able to yield you financial revenue at the end of the game or during the game, okay? Um, the other reason why you have to get pre-qualified because it tells you exactly what you can afford up front. So let me use my son as an example. Um, when he graduated from college, I asked him that he want to buy a house because he had great credit and he had a job. He said yes. He was very open-minded, and he allowed me to navigate him into a fixer-upper. A fixer-upper meaning it just needed carpet and paint, okay? The house was mm-hmm. maybe 84000 all right? The payments is $595. That's what he moved in on that, on that financing, putting down 3%. Okay. Now we went back to the bank, and we got the house appraised, and it's worth $140,000. So what wow. that does is that frees him up to sell it, walk away with $50,000 extra in his pocket to do whatever he wants. Then he can graduate to a bigger home and continue the process. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And some people, they buy homes so they can save in it. They pay it down, and then when they get ready for their cash, they sell their home, and they do whatever they want to do. It's just, it's just a powerful tool to grow your money. Okay, that that's great. That's great information. Okay, you talked, you hit on a couple of um, uh, things about credit, and I know as for me, and this is the corner for you guys who are listening who may be interested in purchasing a home. I went out and downloaded an application called Credit Karma, and that application on my iPhone keeps a record, a visible record of my uh, credit score. When it fluctuates, when it goes down, and I tell you, when it goes down, I just get so annoyed. It's so disappointed because you worked so hard to get it up. But, you know, over utilization of credit cards, believe me, it can bring it down. But um, I'm able to actually keep a – it has a chart. It has a, a flow chart of where you were when you when you uh, first opened up um, the application or started the application on your phone, um, and then it shows you, you know, a monthly report of – whether or not your your credit fluctuates or if it goes down, uh, and it tells you what brought it down. It'll tell you what what brought it down, so you'll know how to get you know your credit score up. Well, the reason why I'm bringing up credit is because in the reality of purchasing a home, your credit score has to be decent, and that's something a lot of people don't want to hear. They don't want to face, and they don't want to take out time to clean it up. But cleaning up your credit score is not is not uh, your credit isn't hard at all. But with that said, you know, what is the average credit score that lenders are looking at so that you can receive uh, financing? Okay, the average credit score that you can receive is 620 for average. However, okay. FHA has recently approved 580. And the reason that they approve 580 is because they're requiring 10%. So what they're saying is we recognize that people messed up their credit. We recognize that people had mistakes. We recognize that things happened. We're okay with the credit score being 580, but you have to put down 10%. So if you have a low score, you're still financeable, but your down payment is higher and your rate of interest is higher. Okay. The benefits of increasing, the benefits of cleaning up your score, and like Monette said, you can go on karma.com or you can go on um 
what I advise my clients to do is to go online to annualcreditreport.com, and they'll give you a free credit report, and you can begin to clean that process up by challenging the things that you believe to be an error. Once you do that, then you begin the process of of fixing it up. Uh, some people who don't have credit, they can go to the bank. They can get a secured credit card for about two $300 and only use 75% of the balance. Here's the key to credit. The key to credit is if you have it, you can't max it out. You should be at 35 to 50% of your balance. So if you have a $1,000 limit on your credit card, your balance should always, always, and I mean always, stay around 380 And so you're saying, well, then what's the point of having the credit card? Because you want to build the ability to purchase. You want to have the power to purchase. Then when you get the house, now you've made a major purchase. Now you're free to be able to use the credit card a little bit more, you know, aggressive. But for for, for building, for starting off, like if you only have telephone bill and rent, you basically want to get a secured card. That secured card, Ms. Monette, increases your score by 100 points quickly, quickly. Yes, I'm going to ask for the callers in the background to put your phone on mute until we open up for questions. Um, you know, I know that to be a fact because um, I got a secured credit card, and um, on Credit Karma, on that application that I that I was talking about, that, that, that app, I mean, that you can download on your phone, it will tell you of the best credit cards that you can actually apply for right there online through that application and get approved almost immediately. Now, your um, approval is generally anywhere from, so I can hear somebody in the background. Hello? They don't hear you. Okay. So anyway, um, what what it did is it, 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 it made my credit score go up. But I noticed when I overutilized the card, and normally it's, it's about 300 to $500 that they'll give you. But when I, I realized when I used it at around 30% of what the card was actually, um, the credit line that limit that was given to me, my credit score went up almost 60 points in one month. Absolutely, absolutely. But overutilization over caused it to flop almost 40 points. So it does work if it's used in the way that it it is it's supposed to be used. So so that's a great point, Yanori. Um, and here's the other thing I wanted to say about the credit. And get it to where it's like on the Hold on, you? Hello. Hold on for a minute. I hear someone in the background. Hold on. Go ahead, Yanori. The thing about the credit is that if you are, um, say, for example, a lot of people have hospital bills or hospital, uh-huh. the lenders don't look at that so harshly. They don't really count the medical bills. And what I've uh-huh. noticed is people are fearful because of the medical bills, because of the, you know, um, the energy bill or the phone bill, whatever it was that they they got messed up on, they get scared. But here's what you do. You go onto your credit and you call the creditor and you tell them that you just want to settle on that balance because most of the time the balance is only two $300. And if you tell them mm-hmm. that you're willing to pay them $100, they'll settle with you. 
You keep the letter. Make sure that you have a letter from them showing that they settled with you, and then you fax that letter to the credit bureaus, and they'll update your record. So there's so many different venues for you to clean stuff up without feeling like, oh, I'm all messed up. And I hear it all the time. That's why I tell people you can also explain to the lender. You can write a letter to the lender explaining why Sutton is on there. You know, um, people have had losses of their family members, and they had to absorb the bill. If If it's a wife or a husband that passed away, make sense? So if you explain it away... If you explain it, Monet, the the lender will overlook that and allow you to still purchase. Okay. That's awesome. Okay, my next question is, um, say, for example, I'm a homeowner, but um, I have one home and everything's going smooth. I came into a little money, and and now I want to become an investor. What... What advice do you have for an individual who would like to become an investor? Um, If you would like to become an investor, you definitely want to put aside 10% of your resources towards purchasing it. That's the requirement for most lenders. A second home or an investment property is 10%, okay? And the beautiful part about that is you can get a home for 100000 Payments be right around seven hundred, and you can lease it. People, and this is so awesome that you're doing this now during tax season. Uh-huh. If you have a lump sum of money, you should be looking towards buying, or if not buying, saving towards buying. And oftentimes, uh-huh. we go to the store and buy stuff. And then we got to mm-hmm. wait a whole nother year to get reestablished. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And in Dallas, where you're at, or even where I'm at, houses are not as expensive as people think they are. You can literally, if you're paying $1,000 rent, Monette, anybody that's paying $1,000 rent can afford to buy a home. Anybody that's paying $900 rent can afford to buy a house. And that's just real. Now, it might not be the house, your dream house, but it's a vehicle towards your dream house based on what we talked about earlier by allowing the equity to grow in there. Wonderful. So if we were talking about having a mortgage versus renting, talk about some of the um, benefits of having a mortgage and then some of the uh, non-benefits of of renting. What's the the difference between owning and renting? The problem with the, the difference between owning and renting is that that money that you're renting with, you could never write it off. You're literally giving someone else that money every year, and it's to the tune of $20,000 a year that Uncle Sam doesn't even get the benefit to give you a refund back on. He doesn't even get to tax you. He doesn't even get to give you it. You don't get to get anything off of it. It's just like you're saying, thank you for letting me stay here. And when you could be owning a house, and there's nothing wrong with renting, Mo, because certain sometimes people rent because they're trying to see if they even want to stay at a place or they just left their mom's house and they want to see if they can afford to maintain their rent, they can budget. You know what I mean. There's nothing wrong with renting. It's just that it can't be the end stop. It has to be a progressive move into owning, all right? And when you own, you build equity. You build equity. So now when you own, you can refinance that house and pay for your kid's college. You can mm-hmm. refinance it and just put it into a stock market and get some and get some benefits from that. It just yields 
a vehicle to gain more money, period. Wow. Period. Awesome. It's powerful. It's powerful. And, and the reason why it saddens me and the reason why God has commissioned me to teach this, and I don't charge because knowledge is power, is because we weren't taught this in high school. We weren't taught mm. this, Monette. If people were taught this stuff, most of us would be owning, we'd be owning, we'd be buying two and three properties. Mm-hmm. You see what I I'm agree. saying? Exactly. Okay, um, before we go into the questions and open up the line, say I'm a homeowner and um, I've been there for a while, but I got behind on my mortgage for whatever reason, and I just received a foreclosure letter. letter and I'm scared, don't know what to do. Uh, my lender's calling me, asking me when I'm going to pay. I'm not answering the phone because I don't have an answer and I don't have the money. What do you say to someone who is who may be possibly uh, facing foreclosure? Please, 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 please pick up the phone and call the lender. Please, please, yeah. please, please pick up the phone and call the lender. I'll tell you why. I have seen so many people get ripped off by all these third-party vendors. They claim that they can keep them in their home. It's a scam. You don't have to pay somebody to help you. The same person that trusted you to borrow from will trust you to have a conversation with them. So when you have the conversation with them, all they want to know is what's your situation, when do you think you can get caught back up, let us see if we can put you on a payment plan and reestablish your mortgage. That's what happens. But most of the time we're fearful. I was fearful for years. I mean, I'm going to tell you the truth. I didn't want to call them because I didn't want to hear the truth. And when I did call them and I gave them everything that they wanted on a regular basis and I stayed in touch with them, that's how they based whether they were going to modify my loans or not because I communicated. So when they looked in the system, they saw a buyer called again, homeowner called, homeowner said working on this, homeowner said this. Now, here's the thing. When you fall behind a month, you're okay. When you fall behind two months, you're okay. When you fall behind three months, that's when there's a warning and they can't just take a payment. So you have to pick up the phone at that point and say, okay, please show me what I can do to modify my payment. They don't want to lose you, and they don't want the house back, believe it or not. They just want to give you the chance that you need to turn it around, but you've got to communicate. If you don't feel like communicating, you get your friend on the phone that will talk for you. They'll allow that. You know, they'll allow a buffer. They'll allow a realtor friend or somebody who you trust to get on there with you and open up those communication lines. But that is the number one key. And they'll tell you, please tell people to call us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to communicate. You can't run and hide because once they know what you're dealing with, then they're able to work with you, hopefully. Some lenders are a little bit stricter than others, but most of them will work with you. Okay, right now and I'm going to open up the line. Go ahead, Yenora. Real quick, I want to make the difference between a mortgage and credit card and other debts. Other debtors, when they call you, they're rude, they're mean, and they want their money because they want their money. That's not the way lenders work. Lenders, that's an established bill that they don't want the property back. They don't want to threaten you. They just want to see what works so that we can get you back into a plan that you can afford. That's all. Wonderful, wonderful. So seek modification um, if at all possible. And don't fear, don't cover up your head and pretend you're not getting the phone calls. Answer and talk to them. Once you answer and talk to them, you will feel better. They will feel better. And hopefully you'll be able to save your home. 
Now, with that said, I'm going to open up the lines to our callers tonight. I see you out there, so thank you for calling in. If you have any questions for Yonori or myself, feel free um, to ask those questions now. Do we have any questions? Hello? Yes. Hello, Monet. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Hey, my question is, okay, how soon should you pay off these? You have some credit cards out there. How soon credit cards should be paid off, or should they be? Or should you pay them off before you go to try to get a, a loan or anything for a house? Please don't pay them off. Please don't pay them off. If you pay off a loan, it's a negative. If you pay off a credit card, it's a negative. What you do is you pay it down to zero balance, but you leave it open. You don't close it. And if you do, you leave it $10, $20, because they have to see a payment pattern. They have to see that you have the ability to have credit and you're not running it up. So you do not close them and you don't pay them. Yeah, you don't close them. You can pay them down to zero, and you can still leave them open, though, okay? That was the mistake I made. I closed them, and they said, no, you shouldn't have done that. They need that credit open to show that you're a good credit worthiness. Okay. And this is my, my next question. Uh, suppose, okay, uh, my wife and I, we have two accounts, and she has, we have a joint account and her account and my account. And uh, I want if the majority of my money go to the joint account. Should I have that money go to my own account? so that I can show that I have something in this account? You have something in my account? Do you have a joint account? Yes. Are you purchasing it together? Yes. Then you're okay with the joint account, as long as you have an account that shows that you have the money in there. And remember, you can also use your 401K to show that you have season funds. You can also use a savings account to show that you have season funds. Well, thank you very much. And what they're not going to do, they're not going to ask if you have three accounts. They're not going to ask you to see all three accounts. Just, to, you know, present to them the one where you have the most money going into and the most transactions, ensuring that you have no overdraft. Okay? Hmm. You need a okay. clean record of no overdraft. Thank you. Those were great questions. We still have time for a few more questions. Anyone else out there? Okay, Yonori, this question is for you. I know before I purchased my home, and we talked about this uh, a little bit earlier about fear, fear of the unknown. What would you say to someone who may be experiencing that same fear of stepping out and purchasing a home? 